Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Grace for the City podcast. I'm your host, Justin. That's right. We're helping you turn cities upside down for the glory of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you for sharing, subscribing, whatever, all that stuff you do to stay up with the podcast. It is so helpful, and we're thankful to have you on board with us. Uh, Share it with somebody that you think would be blessed and let's get the word out there. That's what the Lord said to do. He said, don't try and get your name out there. Get the word out there, and that's what we're doing. And with that, I've got a CD right here in my hand. This was episode 39, The Battle of Belief. Excellent podcast right there. Boy, that was episode 39. That was back in 2020. Praise the Lord. Well, we are producing the podcast on CDs, and so if you know somebody, that that would be the best way for them to get their content. Here's what we're doing. We'll mail it to them at no charge. It would be our honor to do so. So send us an email at hello at gracecitychurch.tv. That's hello at gracecitychurch.tv. And we'll get this right out to them. Praise the Lord. Well, let's jump into the podcast today. And uh, I want to talk about the rhythm of unity. The rhythm of unity. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 16. And we'll dive in looking at something here. Romans 16. Verse 17, Romans, here we go. All right, I didn't turn there beforehand, but I'm getting there right now. Okay, Romans 16, verse 17. It says, now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. Now, very interesting here. He's not necessarily uh, necessarily saying avoid everybody that is simply uh, offensive. You know that if you have a family, if you're married and you have children, you know that uh, it is very easy to get into, you know, strife. Uh, we should avoid strife at all costs, but yet you know how easy it is, even with the very people that you love the most, to wind up in confrontation and conflict over the most ridiculous of things. What I'm saying is you don't avoid your spouse or your children indefinitely. Now, there may be, uh, you may pause. You may say, hey, I'm unqualified to speak right now, so I'm going to go and pray a little bit. But I'm saying ultimately, you would say, hey, look, because of the value of these people in my life, I'm going to work this out. Now, what he's talking about here ultimately is those who cause divisions and offenses as it concerns the true or pure doctrine of the Lord. But we want to take some principle thoughts out of this, and I just wanted to make sure that we're not going to get confused here as I go forward, that uh, there is no admonition in the Bible to completely avoid your children or your spouse because of conflict or offenses. Now, offensive uh, offenses uh, can be uh, uh, because of something actual or they can be perceived. And this is why we need to communicate. We need to have uh, something that says, hey, 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 
before I take this thing to an ultimate conclusion, before I allow my vain imaginations to grab hold of this perception here and take it into the ethers, you know, make this mountain, uh, let's communicate. Let me ask a question. Hey, this is what I heard. Is this what you meant? Um, so, so what I'm saying is there is some protocol here. You may need to back up for a time, but you also probably need to just go ahead and dive in and say, hey, I'm misunderstanding what's going on here. I'm getting worked up, stirred up. I'm getting offended. Let me make sure that I'm understanding you correctly. So you understand, again, you can't just abandon your family. You can't just abandon your children um, because of just, you know, contention, uh, friction, misunderstandings, etc. He's saying ultimately, though, that people who are divisive and uh, uh, d- just barrel through life with no concern at all who they're offending, especially over the true or pure doctrine. He said, these are the people you avoid. So it is right, and it is true, and it is appropriate that if somebody is peddling a false gospel, say, and it is legitimately a false gospel, a heresy or a twisting, then you don't engage uh, or you don't tolerate the divisions that are associated with something that is impure like like that. All right, verse 18, here's what he says. He said, For these are such who do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly or their own appetites. Now, principally, here's what we want to dive in here, because this is something that is not unique to those who are simply divisive because of false teachings. It is true that um, people who would engage in you know, divisive activities, you know, I'm seeing this with my own children say, you know, they have this desire to play with this toy. And because of their own appetite, because of the hunger in their belly to play with that toy and to, you know, assert their dominance over it, sometimes they engage in the most ridiculous of behaviors and attitudes. And it's because they're trying to satiate their own desire. And that causes a lot of friction with everybody else. You know, that uh, offends everybody. You know, people's uh, feelings get hurt, and sometimes they're stomped on, all because they're selfishly desiring, um, you know, the object, you know, here, whatever this object is, they're uh, spending whatever it costs, you know, creating whatever kind of mass pandemonium in order to play with that toy. All right, so that's the principle that we want to draw from this verse. Um, so, uh, let's see, I did that podcast a couple weeks ago where I was talking about, um, uh, no, uh, no strife, uh, no strife allowed. And, um, you know, because what strife does, if you entertain strife, contention, division, okay. Uh, if you entertain offense, then you open up for lack of a better way of saying it, you open up like a portal and you simply just invite demons, you don't want to do that. You want to keep all that out. The Bible says that where there's self-seeking, where there's envy, there will be strife and every evil work. So you want to make sure that you have a no-strife policy. But with the people that you have been, uh, that God has defined relationships with, like your spouse, your children, okay, other uh, could be family, uh, it could be uh, not family, but relationships that have been defined by God, covenantal relationships, uh, relationships that are based on seasons, maybe based on reasons, maybe based on mandates and assignments. I'm telling you, the enemy is going to try and get in there and, and 
contrive all kinds of reasons for you to break or work against God's appointments and God's definitions. These relationships, you've got to be very keen, keenly aware, uh, because uh, strife, offense, self-seeking, et cetera, may creep in. It could be encouraged from an outside force, say the devil. Uh, it could be just the reality of people still growing and learning and working out their garbage. Hallelujah, somebody. But I'm saying with these defined relationships, you can't simply just avoid them. You're going to have to be willing to say, hey, look, I'm probably the one misunderstanding here. I just need some clarity. Ask better questions. Uh, set up some arrangement that helps to facilitate maybe communicating, you know, getting down to the root um, uh, answer. But at the end of the day, uh, when somebody, you know, owns up to the fact that, hey, yeah, man, I'm, I'm just being a rude dog or, you know, ah, yeah, I'm just being selfish. Well, it's because you were so hungry after that thing that you, you know, barreled into this situation with no consideration for who would be affected. That's, that's, that's what this Bible's saying. At the end of the day, it all came down to it was all about you and not about anybody else. Even those who are peddling false doctrine, false teaching, it includes that thought that at the end of the day, they're, they're just trying to get their own lust satiated. They, 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 they are so driven by this thing that they want, that they're trying to prove or whatever, and it's the source of all these divisions, contentions, strife, etc. self-seeking. So we could say this, divisive and offensive people serve their own appetites. You know, when it's not about you anymore, you tend to be a little more, uh, you know, um, what's, what's, what's the word here? When it's not about you, you tend to be a little more humble. You tend to think about how can I serve someone else first? You know, I'm having to remind my own kids this. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're having to remind myself this. We're having to remind each other these basic principles of, hey, if I'm seeking your uh, well-being ahead of my own, say, um, where appropriate, then, you know, I want you uh, to go first, you know. What about that? I was telling one of my kids the other day. It's like, hey, hey, wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Let's back up here. Like, here's a paradigm, uh, a life paradigm. And it's, and it's something like this. Hey, why don't you go first? <laughs> you know, instead of elbowing and tripping and shoving people out of the way so I can go first. How about, how about this? How about our paradigm begin with, hey, maybe somebody else wants to go first. Like, what is the epitome of taking on the form, the stature, and, and the posture of a servant. That's what Jesus modeled. Let No, no, no. Let me get down and wash your feet. Can you imagine if we applied that? Like I'm talking about uh, a discipline of application where that was how we approached our relationships uh, with people is, hey, how can I serve you? Uh, rather than me just thinking about me right now and what I can get out of this, what if I thought about how could you be bettered uh, by me helping you in some way? Hallelujah, somebody. That's a lot easier said than done. We all understand that. But, you know, uh, I believe that's part of the quest. Uh, we going low. Uh, we choosing to uh, not assert ourselves. You know, think about this one. Let another man's lips praise you. You know, you, you know anybody tooting their own horn? You know, they're the best at everything in their own estimation. <laughs> I'm not saying they're not good, but but you understand this type of person, right? I mean, 
they've just met you, and yet they're giving you the full dissertation of how awesome they are. Okay, the, the Bible says, okay, back it up a little bit there, broski. You, you know what I mean? Like, come back a few steps here, and let someone else praise you. Let someone else recognize you and then say, hey, you know what? This brother's good. This sister's amazing. They're talented. They're, they're skilled. They're anointed, etc." We don't have to toot our own horn. That's part of this appetite that drives people to assert themselves in every possible way. And I'm telling you, it's divisive at the end of the day. It creates offense. You know, uh, some of these narcissists aren't even aware of the damage that they're doing. But if you are a little bit self-aware, you should do an inventory occasionally and just check around and go, you know what, are, are there people that, uh, you know, really enjoy my company? You know, are there people that, you know, want to, you know, check in on me, check up with me? You know, are there people that are wanting to be my friends? You know, are there people around me, you know, that aren't off put by my attitude, by my comments, by my statements? Are they, you know, am I endearing people? Or, or am I repelling people? I, you know, I mean, you have to be a little bit self-aware. Like, you have to be humble enough to at least do an evaluation that would be like, am I like, am I the discord, you know? Um, am I the one playing the wrong note at the wrong time? And and it's like a, a sounding brass in everybody's ears, you know what I mean? Is it a, am I a clanging cymbal? Or am I in time? Am I in step? Am, am, am I the off-putting frequency here? Or do I unify people because my humility knows its place, uh, knows its note, is in tune with what's going on? You know, I'm harmonious. You know, I'm not trying to stand out playing a wrong note. I'm not trying to draw attention to myself. It, it, you know, Am I the one that everybody notices because I'm the most annoying one in the room? Or am I part of building something to where the whole body is edified? Hey, and AKA, that probably means you're not going to get recognized all the time. Hallelujah. That's a part of this self-sacrificial life of service is that you probably aren't the main attraction everywhere you go. Now, if you have a paradigm that says you have to be heard, noticed, I would be cautious about that because you that type of person then is willing to embrace measures to obtain that kind of recognition at any cost. And it could be even divisive or controversial recognition. I get it. We're controversial enough just because we love Jesus, but we don't need to stand out like a sore thumb, friend. Hallelujah. I mean, do we? Let me say it like this. I don't have that paradigm, and I don't encourage anybody along those lines because I don't see it in the Scripture. Uh, Jesus said, learn of me, for I'm lowly. Like, I'm humble. I'm meek. And guess what? People are going to consider you weak and maybe even cowardly at times because you don't have this self-assertive, narcissistic, overconfident, unrealistic belief about yourself. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. I would rather under-promise and over-deliver, huh? Wouldn't you? Thank you, Lord, for it. So he's helping us in these 
matters. And we need to be at least a little bit self-aware uh, and just say, man, I got to make sure that I'm just, uh, I'm not creating waves for the sake of creating waves here. Now, we accidentally mess up and make mistakes. You know, I kind of have this little joke, you know, that I've shared before, you know, that, hey, if I haven't offended you yet, just give, just give me a minute. And it's uh, it's not that my personality or my character. It's not like I'm like I'm so s- selfish that I don't care what anybody thinks. But I'm, but I'm saying accidentally, I'll probably do something not meaning to that would be translated to to you in a wrong way. But praise God if we're if we're called together, if if if, if you and I own the fact that God defines relationships and therefore uh, to walk this to flesh this out then it, it will require you and I having honest conversations, uh, but yet willing to defer to one another along the process of communicating, serving. Uh, you know, it, the, the best battle, okay, to be in would be the battle of saying, no, no, you first. No, 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 you, no, 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 you first. No, I'm sitting, no, I want you to go first. You know, that's the best battle. And that's awkward at times. But you know what? That's the best awkwardness. It would be better to try and contend for the low spot than it is to get out here ahead of everybody, tooting your own horn, thinking you're amazing, only to have the Lord humiliate you. If you don't humble yourself, humiliation is your next major event, friend. Hallelujah. So it'd be better to humble yourself on the front end. Again, what are we talking about? The rhythm of unity. You know what? Tame that appetite. Get a hold of selfish ambition. Rein that in. Uh, it's We live a fasted lifestyle. Uh, that's just, it's a life paradigm. We go low. We choose to serve others. We don't assert ourselves. Let another man praise you is what the Bible says. Bible says, if you'll humble yourself, God will exalt you. Let him exalt you. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Hallelujah. What are you afraid of? Um, some, sometimes people that control their environments are the most fearful people, and that's why they tend to control their environments. But I'm telling you, friend, abandon yourself. Thrust yourself. Throw yourself at the mercies of the Lord. Total abandon before him. If I never get anything that I wanted, if I never have that, uh, you know, vision of grandeur, just cast it, just total abandon before the Lord, totally trust him in all things, knowing that at the, the, the safest place to be is prostrate before his feet. Hallelujah. At a total, totally at his mercy of any exaltation whatsoever. Easier said than done, but yet, that's the quest, I believe. Hallelujah. Where we would not be led about by our own appetite. What's the problem with being led around by your own appetite? You become divisive, and you may not even realize it. You become offensive, and you may not even realize it. You become annoying, and you don't even realize it. You become off-putting, and you don't even realize it. So you have to abandon your. Remember Jesus said, he said, I have food of which you guys don't know anything about. John 4, 34, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him and to finish his work. Listen, friends, you will never go hungry if you keep your appetite 
focused in the right direction. Psalm 37, 25 says, I was once young, now I am old, and I have never seen a godly man abandoned or his children forced to search for food. Understand the implications here, friend. If you will trust God, you will never know hunger. And what, I'm not talking about literal food here, like pickles or cheeseburgers or pizza. I'm talking about you have an appetite. You have a vision of grandeur for yourself. And I'm saying if you don't tame that appetite, you will maybe in the beginning, it might be innocent, okay? But there's a point in time here where it becomes just part of your strategy. You just, I mean, you, you, you become a monster in relationships because you have such this driven appetite for this vision that you have of yourself. I'm saying you have to totally abandon yourself to the Lord. If you never get anything, if you never have anything, you totally trust him. And you're, you're saying, thank you, Father, that you're, I am fed daily my daily bread. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? Give us this day. What? Our daily bread. What is it? I'm totally at your mercy, O oh God. You say serve, I'll serve. You say sit, I'll sit. You say be quiet, I'll be quiet. You say fast, I'll fast. You say give it up, I'll give it up. You say go, I'll go. You say do, I'll do. You say jump, I'll say how high. Hallelujah. Totally abandoned. I, I, I don't have an appetite of my own uh, contriving. Whatever I get is because he feeds me. And this is what Jesus was modeling. He said, my food, I'm not after my own thing. I don't have my own appetite. I'm, I'm not hungry for my own thing here. I'm hungry to do his will. I'm hungry for his word. I'm hungry. That's, that's, my, that's my drive. That's my appetite. Him, him, hallelujah. Not visions of grandeur. Things that the world, listen, the world will offer you. The world is trying to train your appetite, friends. The world's trying to train your appetites. Listen, if you'll trust God, you'll never go hungry, though. The world is deceiving you, saying, mm, I don't know if you can trust God. You'll probably starve a few days. <laughs> I don't know if you can trust God. You know, I don't know really how that humility thing is going to work out for you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if, if you don't, this is what the world's saying. Let me teach you how to climb the ladder of success. And let me show you how to step on people and crush their skulls under your feet along the way. Let me show you how to, uh, you know, assassinate the character of those around you where they won't uh, hold you back. Listen, the world's trying to develop an appetite in you that is contrary to trusting in God. It's trying to totally dismantle your trust. Deconstruct. The world is trying to deconstruct your trust in him. And they're saying, yeah, I don't know how that modeling Jesus is going to work out for you. You know, I don't know how serving others is actually going to get you where you're supposed to be. I mean, how? I mean, the world sees it so backwards. If you don't assert yourself, if you don't display your dominance in words or attitude, you know, if you don't have the last word, you're a weakling. That's what the world says. And so people develop this 
life, this paradigm that puts them in the center of absolute, absolutely everything. That's control. That's manipulation. You put yourself there because you're, you believed a lie. And so now you're trying to manipulate and control everything because you don't see, uh, how the, how service, how humility is the appropriate means to an end. Oh, Jesus, help us. Say this, God takes care of me. God takes care of me. He knows what I need. Say it, he knows what I need. In fact, the Bible says he knows what you need before you ask. Oh, he's that good. Say this, he is keeping me fully supplied. And lastly, I will never know hunger. (laughs) Oh, listen, your belly, okay, like if you feel like I'm starving, I'm starving, I'm starving. No, uh, uh-uh, uh no. If you do it God's way, you'll you'll never beg. You will never starve. You will be fully supplied if you do it His way. You'll be fully satisfied. But I'm telling you, you get over here, you start thinking a little more highly of yourself than you ought. That's when all of a sudden you're lied to, and you start, oh, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. Oh, yeah. And and I'm telling you, people do stupid stuff. They they do stupid stuff to try and satiate that growl of the belly. It's divisive. It creates all kinds of offense. You know, um, this, I, I don't know where I heard it. I heard it somewhere, but you know, it's, it's an, I don't know what it's called, but the idea is this, is that if you find yourself, no matter where you go, no matter, you know, you change this place, you, you change jobs, you change spouses, you try and farm out your kids, you know, uh, you, you change churches, you change towns, cities, etc., and you keep finding yourself in the middle of problems. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, there's always a problem, and you're always offended, you're always upset and frustrated, and you keep searching for these perfect people where you don't have any more problems. You know, here's what you're missing. All these new things are not the problem. You are the problem. The common denominator in all of these situations is not these other people. It is you. Hallelujah. If you, no matter what you do, you, you trade, you traded spouses, you moved cities, you got a new job. And it's like the constant, the same problems are in all these new places. Well, the problem is not the new place. The problem is you. Hallelujah. The problem is is us. I have found myself in that situation. And I had to be like, wait a second. I'm the common denominator here. (laughs) I need to make a change. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord, for all the people in my life that have been so patient with me. Hallelujah. Praise break. Praise break. Praise break. Thank you, Jesus, for these kind, long-suffering, merciful people that have been in my life. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. All right, let's see here. How much time we got? We got a little bit of time. Okay. So we don't have to fear going without. Um, again, this fear of going without and keeping with our, our symbolism or our analogy um, of hunger. You know what I'm saying? Cause he, he's saying divisive and offensive people. They're driven by their, the appetites of their belly, but the fear of going without, the fear of hunger will cause people to do some of the most out-of-character things. But this is what we're saying. We've got to realize that he promised. 
He promised. He pro- He promised. He promised. He's already been to our future. He's already been to the destination. He's come all the way back here and said, follow me. He has promised. He will never leave us, never abandon us. And he has promised daily bread. Oh, Father, thank you for that daily bread. Oh, remember Esau? What a crazy thing. What a crazy thing Esau did. You know what he did? He traded the blessing for a bowl of stew. You know, that's what people are doing. They are trading the blessing of God. Tempted, tempted. Let me say that. I've been tempted. Oh, Jesus, I have been tempted. And I think I've done it a couple times, but I know of a few situations where I was tempted. And you know what? I just, praise God, he's helping me both the will and to do, Philippians chapter 2. And, and, and something on the inside said, don't do that. But yet I had to overlook. I had to, I had to uh, subdue like this appetite in my flesh, you know, uh, that was kind of craving to assert myself or, you know, to promote myself in a particular area. And, and, and but praise God though, man, that just something, his spirit on the inside of me just said, no, 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 uh, 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 stay, choose the blessing, choose the blessing. Don't choose this moment of fame or fortune or, uh, uh, you know, whimsy, you know, don't, don't, don't trade that for the blessing. Are we aware? Are we keen? Are we spiritually aware of where the blessing of the Lord is? Don't trade it because of this moment of this, this, this appetite, this hunger, this fleshly belly growl for this something selfish. Oh, man, how many people, how many people have traded the blessing to just satiate this fleshly craving? Esau, wow. Did you see what he missed out on? Lord, help us. Thank you, Father. You know, because we may be tempted again. We may be tempted again. The enemy may come again and uh, tempt us with something. What are we going to do? What are we going to stay with, with the blessing? Because we know we're never going to starve if we abandon ourselves to him. Hallelujah. You know, you can go several days without eating and not die. Did you hear what I said? I, I mean, and, um, you know, I'm talking about naturally. You can go several days without eating and not die. Listen, if you go without, if you go without, you're going to be okay. <laughs> Oh, you know, it's one of the things right now, uh, you know, a little bit, we're having to train my children. I've got four children under 10 and, you know, we have, uh, as much routine as possible, but yet at the same time we have developed routine. There's a little bit of some training where we're training them to be okay when that routine is interrupted. Okay. Uh, you know, like, Hey, we may miss lunch today, and guess what? It is not the end of the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you won't die if you don't have lunch today. I mean, it's not that we're not trying to feed our kids. I'm just saying, just as you go along in life, okay, uh, you know, maybe your dinner time. I eat at 7 o'clock. Okay, fine, great. Have these routine, have these patterns. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's good. That's healthy. That's wise. That's et cetera, blah, blah. Okay. But I'm telling you, there are times when suddenly something shifts and changes, and you may go without something. Okay? Like, you, you've had this vision. 
I have a vision. And, uh, you, you know, if, if, if you don't get every single element of that vision, you know what I mean? Your list, your Christmas list, your, uh, what am I, I'm trying to think of some words here. Uh, you know, your, your Christmas list, like, like cosmic sugar daddy father is going to get for you. Okay. If you go without some of those things, guess what? You're not going to die. You, you are not going to spiral in a death spiral and crash and burn if you don't get everything you want. And if you don't eat for a few days, you'll still live, friend. God is going to take care of you even if you don't get exactly what you want when you think you need it. Served to you on the platter that you deem worthy Gold, probably, platinum, worthy for this to be served to you on. You won't die. Hallelujah. And it's good. Let me say this. Are, are you working with me on the symbolism and the analogy here? Are you catching what I'm throwing out at you? Even if the Lord would say, ah, fast for a few days. <laughs> I'm not talking about literal food here, friends. Even if he would say, pull away for a while here, you know, you, there might be, you know, even the Lord would say, hey, um, there might be a few years here where uh, nobody's going to know anything about you. No, God, how am I going to live? I'm going to die. I'll die, God, if I don't get fed. And he says, you're not going to die for fasting a few days. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Uh, number one rule of prophets. Consider your prophecy is for you. <laughs> I'm talking to myself here, friends. Okay. I mean, like, okay, you're going to live. You're going to be okay if you go without for a few days. He's the heavenly father. He's not going to let you starve to death. But he has food. Come on. He's like, well, I don't like that stuff. I, I don't like eating that. You know, okay, we went through that a little bit with, you know, our kids at, um, uh, you know, certain points and still revisit that from time to time. And it's like, okay, you, 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 don't, you, you don't like this, okay? Well, you know, there's a five-pound bag of sugar. Have at it there, kiddo, and let's see how that works out in the long run. I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's like the Lord in his wisdom. Come on. He's helping us discern. What is that? Hebrews uh, 6? No, 5? The last part of Hebrews 5? Those who have what? Who've come to maturity. Why? Because they have exercised their senses to discern between good and evil. Their, their taste, their taste, they have developed a taste for something, hallelujah, that is good and pure and healthy, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father, for it. Oh, we give you praise for it. Uh, this seems to have been my life in a nutshell, friends. <laughs> hallelujah. The Lord training us to desire the appropriate things. Oh, thank you, Father. I'm trying to think here. Let's see. Where do we go from here? Uh, let's see. Again, so 
having at least some awareness of appetite is actually a helpful thing. Esau wasn't aware that his appetite was leading him astray. And if you're not watchful, our own appetites will lead us to compromise on God's blessing. Jesus told his disciples he was keenly aware of what his appetite was, and he was hungry for the things of God. He had developed the taste for the healthiest foods, God's things, God's objectives, his will. Those are the healthy foods. Those are the foods that actually build and develop and strengthen you instead of break you down. Sometimes you and I at times can be completely unaware that our appetites have almost but destroyed the very people that God has called us to be with. We've deeply hurt, even accidentally, deeply hurt those closest to us because our own appetite or our inability to recognize, you know what, I probably need to develop a taste for something different than what I've been craving. Hallelujah. Again, this is pre-counsel, pre-wisdom here. As we begin to navigate the very reality of how we, quote, flesh it out, our life together as a family, a spouse, parents, uh, the interconnected, uh, interdependent of relationships that create a body, a family, an outworking, a church, an organization, whatever. Uh, we're called to sync together with the movements of the whole body. We are called to keep rhythm. We're called to keep rhythm. We're called to be in tune, in time, in step, in sync. And, you know, in the greater orchestra, we're not the soloist. Okay, chances are you and I are not the soloist. And I know we have visions of, 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 of soloing. <laughs> oh, but I'm telling you, lone rangers in these days, friends, are wolves. Be watchful. They, they, what do wolves do? They seek those uh, uh, in which they can exploit in order to fill up their own belly. They, they, their appetite's off. That's what it is. Wolves eat sheep. They devour them. They use them. They suck the life out of them in order to get their own vision fulfilled. I'm, I'm telling you, soloists. Soloists? Are you kidding me? This is an orchestra. All right? Consider this, this, this big symphony here. I'm not saying there's not soloists in, in the actual outworking of symphony, but I'm saying you have to be really aware that those who stand out, and you're kind of like, whoa, wait a second. Um, are they supposed to be soloing right right, right now? I, I, I'm saying lone rangers, okay, people who think that they are the soloist in whatever the environment is, right? The, the, the person who comes in and says, hey, I'm the soloist for your church. I'm the soloist for your ministry team. You know, I'm, I, yeah, yeah, I'm that good. That's right, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, I'm to be the, I'm to be the face of this thing here. I'm to be the sound of this thing here. I'm saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up, Lone Ranger. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, step back there. We are a body. We are a family. We are a team. Lone Rangers in these days, friends, are wolves. They're wolves. And unless there's some sort of 
adjustment on the inside of them. Uh, they're not playing as a team. They're playing for themselves. Now, they, they, they may put off for a while that they're a team player. Oh, but you'll be able to sniff that out pretty quick, friends, because they never throw you the ball. Hallelujah. Somebody never throws you the ball, and they say, we're a team player. We're a team player. Um, you know, I was on an all-star basketball team, and so we were uh, put together with a whole bunch of um, people that, you know, we didn't um, – We uh, this all-star team was comprised of members from all kinds of teams. All right, now, now on this particular all-star team, I was – uh, there was one other guy that came with me, and so we were used to playing with each other. But I mean, the the rest of the team, I you know, I just met, you know, and uh, and I noticed really quickly. Wow, wow, all star team. Okay, yeah, what a you know, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be nice here, but what a bunch of narcissists. Okay, I mean, every single one of these kids thought they were just absolutely amazing, and they had to display their amazingness, and it became very apparent that this was not, it was less of a team and more about catching the eye of a scout or something like that. And so, boy, it was difficult uh, to be on that team. I mean, personally, uh, because everybody was showboating. You understand what I mean? We're supposed to be a team here. Uh, No, but they usurped the environment uh, to try and display their own talent and ability. Okay. You know, and on certain levels, fine, fine, fine. But I'm saying when you're called to, to be a family, when you're called to be, you know, a part of an organization, when you're called to be a part of a body, when you're called to be a part of a team, you've heard this little phrase, there's no I in team. <laughs> there's no I, no letter I in team. Uh, there, there's a lot of reality to this. People sometimes they will get into a place and they will make an assessment and they will risk exploiting the resources of a particular place to their own gain. I'm saying it won't take long, friends, especially if you have the paradigm of that we don't allow strife. We don't allow self-seeking, okay? Uh, if, you know, we, we all go up, okay? Uh, you know, and we're not going to allow somebody to just stomp on our faces here as they try and climb the ladder of whatever, of their own grandeur. That's one thing for sure. I mean, if you can't catch any other sign, when you get, uh, you know, when you get kicked in the face, uh, hello, there's your sign. You know what I mean? Like there's your sign. Okay. That something might be off here. Uh, in an environment among people that you're called to, because God defined the relationship. You didn't define the relationship God, did you yield to his definitions? And, uh, and, and so, but what I'm saying is you can quickly find out here are those who are just about them, just about themselves. And what is that at the end of the day? The appetite, the appetite. I'm, I'm not saying it's not salvageable, but I'm saying right now their appetite is causing a lot of unintended uh, problems. And if they would just be a little self-aware, they may realize that maybe they're, they're not uh, eating his daily bread and going after their own appetite. So when you're called to keep rhythm, you have to adjust your appetite. When you're called into a family, you're going to have to arrest these stray appetites. 
You're going to have to arrest these random ambitions. You're going to have to keep tamed, friend, these random, you know, visions of grandeur. Hallelujah. Rhythm. We're talking about the unity of rhythm. Rhythm is a harmonious sequence or correlation of activity. Harmonious sequence or correlation of activity. When you get out of sync or out of rhythm, that's called discord. It is a lack of harmony. There are rhythms that must be responsibly maintained by everyone. This is why I'm saying these individuals, whoever they may be, if they think they're the soloist, um, it's very possible here that it's going to be extremely recognizable that the rhythm and the cadence and the harmony is not being maintained by everyone. Again, rhythm is maintained when everyone seeks to serve one another rather than serving themselves first. That's how you maintain rhythm or the cadence in a family, a group, a situation, a body, or whatever. Offenses and divisions are most commonly the result of one or more imbalances in the rhythm of a group or a family. Now, here's something we need to understand. You can have a lot of activity, okay? You can have a lot of activity in a marriage. You can have a lot of activity in a family, in a church, in an organization. You can have a lot of activity. That's all good. That's all great. That's fine. But all this activity must maintain rhythm. It must work together in unison. If an activity or an idea or a vision if it is not in unison or in sync with the body, then this single activity becomes the discord. It becomes the discord. Said another way, when any activity pulls, pulls against the direction of the body you are called to, this activity becomes the potential entry point for the enemy. To what? Strife, division, offenses. As a believer, you and I are going to be against the flow in terms of the world's ideas and direction. But in a family, in a body, in a church, in God's kingdom, remember, many different members, individual parts and pieces placed in the body as he sees fit. But in a family, say, continuing to go against the flow will bring division. Like at some point, it just flings the door wide open to division. James 3.16, we covered this in a previous podcast about strife, but he says, for where self-seeking exists, confusion, 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 confusion. Some people are massively confused and they go, I don't know why I'm confused. Well, it's because you're you're, you're, you're going in an opposite direction of the flow that God has called you to. And you wonder why you're confused. You wonder why it just doesn't seem things are working out. It's not smooth. It's, it's, it's agitated. It's like sand in your underwear. Hallelujah. Well, it's because you're trying to go in a wrong direction. Now, again, uh, you know, con- as, uh, uh, you know, when we consider the world, yeah, you're going you're, you're gonna to go against the flow. You're going you're, you're to be a little fishy that is swimming in the opposite direction of everybody else. Wide is the way that leads to destruction, and many there are that find it. 
Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few find it. You are going to be going against the flow as we are relating it to the world. But I'm saying when you recognize the place that God has called you, the the, the church, the family, the spouse, come on, the children, the uh, parents, the outlaws, in-laws, the family, the thing, the thing, the main thing God has called you to. Listen, you cannot be going against the flow. You cannot be going against the flow because you become the root then, you become the access point to which strife, division, and offense is just ravaging all these relationships that have been God-defined in your life. So listen, just go with the flow. You go with the flow. Not, I'm not talking about with the world. I'm not talking about with the world. I'm talking about when you know that God's called you to a place, to a family, then you get into rhythm. You get into the cadence. You find out the marching cadence, and you, you imitate it. You match it. You speed up. You slow down. You adjust. The responsibility is on you to make the necessary adjustments to make sure that you are in tune, that you are playing your note, you are on time, you are in sync, you are in cadence, you are in rhythm. You know, we, I was raised up in a family of musicians. My son plays on the worship team, and uh, he's 10, and he does phenomenal. But, you know, occasionally, you know, I'll, you know, timing, you know what I'm saying? He'll try and do other thing, and time is a little bit off. And, and, and maybe other people, generally, maybe they're not noticing. But I'm telling you, when you have developed yourself, right, to just stay in time, you know, you got that click, click, right? You got that one, two, three, four, and one, two, three. When you've developed, because that's the appropriate posture, that's your responsibility to develop your ear to the click track, friends. You understand what I'm saying? To develop your ear to the timing. What's the timing of the song? What's the timing of the mission? What's the timing of this family? What's the timing of my marriage? What's the timing of this church? Listen, if God's brought you into a place, it is your responsibility. It's been our responsibility to train our ear, to tune that inner metronome. Because whatever God places me in, it's gonna, there's already gonna be an established um, rhythm and cadence and flow based on the mandate, based on the grace, based on the anointing. And, and when God places you in that, then it's your responsibility to learn that flow, learn that cadence, know what the tune is, right? Know, know what the key is. What's the key? Uh, you know, what's, what's the appropriate scales? What's the appropriate, you know, um, notes and et cetera, et cetera, you know, you know, uh, is this a major scale, minor scale scale? You understand the analogy or the symbolism here. It's your responsibility to go with the flow. The moment you go, eh, I don't like the rhythm of this song. The moment you go, ah, you know, I, I think I'd like to play in a different key. The, the moment you go, I'm just going to switch songs because I believe the Holy ghost wants to play a different song. <laughs> Wrong. No, 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 uh-uh, of course not, of course not. What is that? Your own appetite has just stood you out as the contrary player in the situation. Spare yourself that embarrassment, friends, and go low. Again, we're saying that uh, multiple activities uh, is appropriate, 
as long as everything is in harmony. Hallelujah. Not everybody's going to do the exact same thing. But division, division is the result of two or more visions being interjected either forcibly or some other manipulative tactic. And it, what it does is it tries to split the ultimate vision. Okay, if we're going to stay with the music, every song, right, has an objective behind it. The notes all work together. The scales work together. The key, the timing, the rhythm, the everything. Division comes into play when all of a sudden, again, you say, mm, I want to play some different notes here. Well, then you've interjected a different vision, friends. That, that doesn't work. It doesn't work in a marriage. It doesn't work in a marriage. Now, you can have various activities in a family, but if it, if it begins to contradict the singular and primary vision, you have just introduced division, friends. And that long-term is going to split a marriage. That long-term is going to break up a family. That long-term is going to destroy a body mechanism. And this is why, at all costs, we stay in time. We stay in tune. We stay in sync. We stay with the objective of, of the song. Again, if we persist in putting ourselves first, <clears throat> we open the door to the devil in our marriage, in our family, in our business, in our ministries, etc., etc. Look at Proverbs 15.5. We'll close here. Proverbs 15.5. Let me read it to you from the Amplified. It says this, Everyone proud and arrogant in heart is disgusting, hateful, and exceedingly offensive to the Lord. And I might add to everyone around them too. Be assured. Notice Proverbs 15.5 in the Amplified. Be assured. I pledge it. They will not go unpunished. Listen, friends, do not find yourself in that category. Go low. Humble yourself. Uh, do a tune-up here. Do you realize the definitions that are around you? Can you Are you self-aware enough to where you can recognize, yeah, God's called me here, God's called me there, I, this is, he's called me to my spouse. Come on, somebody, you need to recognize that. Hello, come on, can I have a witness? Like, yeah, you're called to your spouse. Okay. I, I'm, these are, this is my family. This is my spouse. These are my uh, relationships. Uh, could be family, could be not. Uh, these are, this is my place of employment. This is, this is my God place. This is my church. This is, this is the organization. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what I'm supposed to be. Can you define it? as being God-orchestrated, well, then that's, guess what? You're going to have to get in tune with what he's called you to. And you know what? He doesn't always place you uh, in a place that matches your tuning. He may require you to retune. Hallelujah, friends. I'll leave you with that right there. Oh, did you get anything out of today? Don't be in that Proverbs 15.5 category. Proud and arrogant is disgusting and offensive in the sight of the, of the Lord. Oh, Jesus, help us. Help us, Lord. Help us. In fact, let's just, in your own words, just say a little prayer. Thank you, Father. Say, I humble myself. I throw myself completely dependent upon your mercies and your guidance and your wisdom and your counsel. Father, I need you to reach in and grab a hold of my heart. If I've got this stuff in my heart, I need you to get in there and help me. Hallelujah. And I believe that you will. And I believe that he will. 
Hallelujah. You know what? He's helped me, friends. Oh, 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 he's helped me. Whoa, has he helped me. And I'm so thankful for it. And he continues to help me every day when we hunger and thirst for what he's feeding. Hey, if we can pray with you in any way, it would be our honor. You can reach out to us. You can send us an email at hello at gracecitychurch.tv or call us 870-741-9099. Leave a message and somebody will get right back with you. But if we can agree with you in prayer, it would be our honor to, to do so. Okay. I think I'm done today. Praise God. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the Grace for This City podcast. And until next time, my friends, be blessed.